Welcome to Harvest Australia Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. Great to be with you. Um, we've heard about you guys over the years and uh, nice thoughts by the way uh, just in case you're wondering and um, it's been good catching up with Marty a couple of times before this um, and really appreciate that and uh, love the way you do things the way you think and uh, love the way you're doing church too so you both need to be blessed so make sure you bless them I'm going to rummage around with all sorts of things. Um, hope you don't mind. I will read the Bible. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll speak very favourable things about Jesus. I hope you don't mind. And, uh, and I re- would really like the Spirit to bless us this morning. You know, that's, that's, that's crucially important. We, it's a non-negotiable, as far as I'm concerned, uh, to have what I call a high value, a high doctrine, uh, of the Spirit. New Testament is full of that. We, we would not have the Christian church without the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Jesus. He is the Spirit of grace. He is the one who empowers grace and, uh, and with him we don't need law because he seems to do it a lot better if we let him. So and that's the operative thing. And uh, I, I pride myself in being slightly rational. I used to be a health educator, so uh, some of those things sort of appeal to me and the, the notion of being intelligent about Christianity appeals to me as well, um, <clears throat> except I found that my intelligence and superior nature in those things <laughs> didn't actually do much. And uh, uh, a few years back... Uh, on urging from Bill Johnson, who is a, has become a very close friend of ours, um, talked to me about Randy Clark urging him to go to Brazil. So Bill was doing the, the same favour. He says, you need to go to Brazil and uh, you need to just go and immerse yourself. And uh, I did. I went twice. I took a team of 25 the first time, team of 17 the second. And uh, true enough, it was... As I described it at the church on the way back, it was like drowning my rationality in a sea of belief. And we all need to do that. Because God cannot be contained even with our best thoughts. Even the ones he originates. Because somehow we, we tend to temper the largeness and the bigness and the greatness of God by trying to comprehend him. That's one of the paradoxes. So while we'll spend the rest of our eternal life thinking deeply about him and getting to know him, um, it will never end. So for me to think that I could contain him and explain him in few words of clever thinking is just a nonsense. Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'll, I'll lean into chapter 1 and a bit in chapter 2 <clears throat> this morning. And uh, I was interested here, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I hope you're not offended by that, but it, it, is, it is the Bible. And, uh, and a really good, expressive, uh, passionate 
uh, English version. I've gotten to know Brian as a good friend and I love the way he thinks. And um, He's ex-Baptist, so he should... <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I expected a, a, a really rational academic because his doctorate is in linguistics, so you kind of expect a really well-crafted, and he is, uh, but academic. And uh, I was actually looking forward to that. And uh, I wasn't disappointed, but I was, was surprised to find that actually he is a prophetic exhorter more than just a linguist. And uh, with encounters with God and the Spirit that uh, just really moved on him. So uh, it'd be nice if he came. Um, so I, I appreciate it very much, and I, because of friendship with the publisher, um, get advanced copies, um, and we have discussions about, about it. But I like it, and another reason I like it, as I, I do like different expressions, and iPad is, is brilliant because I can have half a dozen versions on here and flick between each one, including the Greek, and it uh, titillates my rationality. And it's supposed to educate me as well. But more often than not, we get so used to reading Scripture in a certain way, we actually miss it because we're too used to it. It's a bit, bit like what psychologists call cognitive dissonance. It's, it's, it won't happen to me kind of thing. But uh, in this sense, we, we read it and gloss over it because oh, I know all about that and then press on to the next one, missing the point of what's being said. So in that sense, I, I like... Um, I like the expression that, that makes me think again. So this morning, think again. There are some things that we'll go through. First uh, Corinthians one twenty one. For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to a discovery of himself. That should just give you a sense of pause. God has an inbuilt frustration mechanism. Seriously. So for those of us who pride ourselves with a modicum of intelligence, um, he's just, just throwing the grenade in the midst of all the neurons and said, go figure that one out, because you won't unless there's revelation. You won't unless the spirit is there on you. You won't unless you have an encounter like someone brand new coming into church and trying to figure out what they are feeling and sensing because they've never felt or sensed that before, only to have it explained when someone says, oh, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, we uh, it's a bit like travelling in a car at 100 miles an hour and, and you know, we, you're with your friends and they're doing the same thing. Um, and the comparative speed is, is nearly nil and you forget the pace you're going at. And sometimes we forget the the incredible how do i describe this simply let me use quantum physics <laughs> simply someone said if you think you understand quantum physics it proves that you don't um, but in quantum physics disparate particles that are long in in relative terms are, are so distant from each other as as to have no bearing on it, one can begin to oscillate and another one that is unattached, so distant, can also vibrate in the same frequency. 
that's one of the weird things. But I'm thinking that's getting close to how heaven wants to express itself. It seemed like when the spirit showed up, he at least vibrated the house. Good vibrations. He seemed to do that quite a bit. And so sometimes the presence of God cannot be understood outside the context of extrasensory perception, which is wired into us because the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to make my house in you now, and you are going to be able to understand nuances of heaven like you couldn't before, and I'm here to see that you can. Does that make sense? So the best explanation for someone who comes in, as we've had come in often, and most often unbelievers will say this, as they walk in, oh, what am I feeling? And, uh, and we just simply have to say, that's the Holy Spirit. Remember that because you'll come across him again. My brother, who grew up as a Christian, as I did, um, it was definitely the rules and regulations of the house that we believed in Jesus, we had a somewhat crunchy evangelical heritage, most of which was good, but very crunchy anti the Holy Spirit, and I had to repent of one or two sermons that I prided myself in preaching just to keep the peace with the Spirit. My brother, due to various circumstances, um, decided to become an, an atheist. He would describe himself to us as an agnostic, but it was a nice way to break the news to us that he was actually atheistic. And, and he was an intelligent atheist. Coronary care nurse, intensive care nurse. I mean, he knew his stuff. And then he started reading evolution and was totally convinced that the Bible was nonsense and therefore God also didn't exist. It wasn't until years later that, as he looked back, he said, but a light went out in me that, that left me bereft. I won't go through the whole story of his comeback, but I remember coming back from Brazil after one of those you know, famous trips where I just saw literally thousands of people healed. And I was just telling him the story of all that, and... Uh, I just wanted to spark something in him because in years past, he was the one that would be influence me with the Holy Spirit. And so it was always a surprise to me why he let that go because I saw him heal people and prophesy over people in outstanding fashion. So I was baiting him with, with stories of healing. And uh, as I talked there, about 30 minutes went by and he said, David, stop. And the micro-thought that went through my brain was like Agrippa telling Paul, stop, you almost persuade me. In fact, I had that said to me by a pastor one time, stop, you almost persuade me, when I was talking to him about the Holy Spirit. So for that millisecond, uh, uh, no, he said, David, can we go for a walk? Now, going for a walk, on those circumstances and, 
having a request, let's go for a walk, wasn't the sort of casual, oh, let's, let's get, some, get some exercise. Because in, in our family, going for a walk uh, signified that we want to talk about something significant. Sure, Dale, I'll, I'll, I'll go for a walk. And it was only 50 yards down the road. And uh, he turned to me and said, David, keeping in mind this is an atheist, I think God is telling me to ask you to prophesy over me. And my rationality momentarily kicked in and I wanted to remind him of the incongruence of an atheist asking me that. <laughs> You'd be very pleased I refrained. <laughs> but I did say to him, I said, the light has never gone out, the fire has never gone out inside you. And God is reminding you of that right now. It was a number of weeks later and uh, my father was in process of dying um, with cancer and and he only had a few weeks to live and we all gathered and family came in from the US and we, we met up in Brisbane and dad was heavily medicated to dull the pain of, of cancer in his spine and uh, also he was in a cussed state as well. Um, he had suffered um, mild strokes that had uh, affected the way he, he could think and more particularly how he would speak and he was highly frustrated because he was a most articulate speaker. And this pain was knocking him about and the medication didn't help that. So he was, he was aggro to say the least and the family was sort of, other than the fact they, <clears throat> they needed to be nearby, wanted to give him wide berth. And... Uh, so the time came for us to leave. Um, we returned later, um, just as he was dying, but on that occasion, just a few weeks before that end event, um, we were saying our goodbyes and he was in his chair on the front porch of the house that they were staying in. And I just offered, Dad, would you mind if I, I prayed for you? And uh, he said, sure, son, yes. Um, Dad's a pastor, so he wouldn't say no. And uh, so I prayed for him and uh, we'd prayed often for healing and obviously, as I've just said to you, the healing from cancer didn't happen. But I prayed for him as well to be totally free from pain and be at peace. Got in the car, came back to Sydney. Um, my brother rang me up and said, you know, he said, um, from that moment on, Dad uh, um, was happy. He was really at peace. The aggro had just gone. And he was no longer on pain medication. In fact, he, he didn't have pain medication from that day to the day he died. That influenced my brother. He began to think about a few things. And, uh, and a couple of weeks after that, he, he came down uh, to Sydney and visited with us and in the process of this, oh, let's go out and see a movie. So being highly spiritual, he suggested that, not, um, that we should go and see the Avengers. <laughs> so for those of you who are more righteous than I, you won't know what I'm talking about. And uh, so we once saw, saw the Avengers and here these superheroes were all 
at odds with each other and fighting each other and competing with each other, etc. And I'll read Corinthians in a moment. And, uh, and of course, the, the alien invasion was, was coming and they weren't having much success, of course, until they got together and defeated the alien hordes. We left the movie theatre and went to get a meal at a restaurant just, just opposite and uh, Dale looked at me and he says, that was very spiritual, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, I said, yes, and, he, and, he, and humouring him. And, uh, and he talked about what he got out of that spiritually and... Uh, so that got me, got me thinking, and Dale, did I ever tell you about the story of the lady in Siberia who came with a deaf ear? And no. And I, I told him, and this lady had come up to me with total deafness in her right ear and asked for prayer for healing, and I dutifully prayed for her, and nothing happened. I prayed again and again, nothing happened. So I reverted back to my hospital health education and started to explore a more rational diagnosis. You know, do you have a throat infection? Do you have an ear infection? Do you have, you know, and the answer was no, no, no. And by this time I was about ready to give the generic blessing and <laughs> find somebody else. And uh, <laughs> as though in my spirit I just stepped back, God, what's going on? And as quick as a wink, the, uh, the voice just said, pray to break the power of communistic atheism. And I didn't have time to go discuss that. Um, so I put my hand up and said, in the name of Jesus, to take authority over the spirit of communistic atheism, get out. And immediately, even before the Russian translation, her ear opened up. And I was at the restaurant, I was saying, you know, here was a classic story for an atheist. And I was disappointed I hadn't told Dale earlier, but I think the timing was really more important because he needed to be ready for that. And he didn't comment. Just mulled on it. They went to where they were staying and the next morning I rang my mother up and um, she uh, reported to me that uh, she had really had a bad attack of nausea. She doesn't now, but did suffer quite regularly from Mernia's disease, which is really um, vertigo, intense vertigo that made her violently vomit. And uh, she said, I had one of those attacks this morning. And I said, oh, oh mum. But she said, Dale called. Remember, Dale's my atheist brother. She said, Dale called and prayed a nice prayer. And I was well. In fact, I went over and I, I spoke at a, a, a women's meeting and came back. I was perfectly okay. And I'm going, I've got to ring Dale. This is more than just a nice prayer. You know, atheists don't pray nice prayers at all sorts of levels. So I rang him up and, Dale, what happened? Oh, he said, I rang mum. And mum was violently vomiting into the basin at, at the bed and... And he said, I thought of the movie. (laughs) 
Mum, this is spiritual warfare. So in the name of, and he paused, and he explained why he paused, because he said, I couldn't just pray in the name of Jesus. I had to pray in the name of Almighty Jesus. So, Mum, in the name of Almighty Jesus, I take authority over that. I take authority over the sickness. Be well in the name of Almighty Jesus. Get up from your bed. Mum got up from her bed, just as what happens when atheists pray for healing. Off she goes. Dad's still alive by, by this time. Goes over and does her meeting, visits Dad, comes back. And um, this was on a Monday. And then on the Thursday, I, I call Mum again and, uh, oh, David, I had another attack. Now, I should have prayed for her right then and there. I was more worried about Dale than her because here was the atheist having brilliant prayer success and now it doesn't seem to be sticking and I was going to give him some theology about why that might be so and not to give up. That was the aim. So mum, and I prayed somewhat perfunctorily for her, I think, in comparison, called Dale by the time I'd left mum and called Dale, Dale had already called mum, so he's on the phone. Yeah, David, I just talked to mum, and this thing was on her again, this spiritual warfare thing. So I said again, in the name of almighty Jesus, get up out of your bed and you'll be healed. Furthermore, go next door to June, neighbour. She's in bed suffering chest pains. You ought to lay hands on her and she will be well. Mum gets out of bed, totally healed, Goes next door, June's there, oh, Norma, oh, you know, in the name of Jesus, she says, be healed, and walks out of the house. As she's walking in the house, June trots out after, I'm healed, I'm healed. And uh, this is not bad for the atheist engagement. <laughs> you know, I just, oh, doing my best to reel him in. And, uh, but he's already been reeled in and dragging me with him. And... Uh, Sunday comes around and Sunday night I, I, I was there during worship and I, I thought of Dale and so I pulled out my phone, which technically you're not supposed to do. You get on. And I messaged him. I said, Dale, thinking about you, how are you? Put the phone away and a few minutes later it buzzed and, David, I have crossed the line. I'm now a lover of Jesus. He walked into church a couple months later, day spring, and, and I watched him as he walked in, and he was just bubbling, um, bubbling with fresh new chance, fresh expression of the Spirit. He'd been pummeled rather badly by religious nuts purporting to be spirit-filled. Long story. But he was back in church now. and As he walked in, he began to hug people, and not the sort of perfunctory Christian hug. <coughs> he hugged and hung on. And I watched the people he hugged, you know, and they look at me, you know, <laughs> deliver me. And... Uh, 
they would hug, go to the next person, he would hug, they would look at me again, what's going on here? And same thing on the way out, same, he was just, just immersed in this and he said to me, David, I didn't realise how much oscillation there was in church and how everyone vibrated with a, with a warm presence of the Spirit. And I didn't want to admit, I didn't notice Because I'm so used to it. Point. But he says, they all vibrate. I wanted to get some of their vibration. I wanted whatever was vibrating them to, to come onto me. And that's why I, I just stayed there in contact. And I thought, how much we rationals miss when really God's doing his number in an irrational but heavenly manner. So if there's any clue out of this, let's vibrate together. <laughs> Feel them vibrations. Mm, yeah. Actually, you don't need to make it happen. He makes it happen because he comes with a frequency that we can't manage. So I learned something there. There's some truth, some truth. It's all true. You know, while the church loves each other, there is such a vibration in the place. We all grow into a depth of maturity that the spirit is able to influence and be able to spread that vibration elsewhere. Dale was, is, I think, or was, uh, secretary of, of a club. Most of the patrons of this club were bikey members and people who were really adept at the various brands of liquid. <laughs> Mick rolls up one day and Dale notices Mick limping rather badly and, uh, and oh, Mick. And Mick um, has a certain command of the English language. What's wrong, Nick? Mick? Ah, oh, my 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 knees effed <laughs> <laughs> up. <laughs> he's all right. He's still calm. <laughs> oh, Mick, I'm just a brand new Christian, but I found that. People get healed when I pray. Do you mind if I pray for your knee? Mick says, go and F and do whatever you like. <laughs> Dale gets down and puts his hand around his knee and quietly, in the name of Jesus, I command this knee to be healed. So Mick, test your knee out. King's English again. <laughs> what did you F and do? It, all the pain's gone. So Mick became Dale's tout. You want healing, go see Dale. Because he'll pray for you and it will be healed. Cut forward now a number of months and uh, Dale's wife plays golf occasionally and on this particular occasion she was with the group and lo and behold, who should be there but Mick? 
and Mick is slightly limping again. He sees Debbie and, Debbie, call your husband, call Dale, so he can come and do his hocus pocus on me again. <laughs> Debbie, who was a, a nurse and competent one, um, said, oh, Mick, anybody can do that. I'll do it. All right, all right, Debbie, you do it. But make sure you pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and there was quite a discussion there. Why, why Jesus? Why not Muhammad? Why not someone else? No, Mick says, because Jesus is the only one who died and is the only one who can, and, and rose for us, and he's the only one who can heal. Not bad for non-churchgoers. <laughs> Debbie kneels down and, and prays for his knee and Not the full healing, but 80%. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I, you know, that's great. We can play the game. Came back, came back to the clubhouse after doing the, the golf round and uh, calls Debbie over again and uh, Mick says, Debbie, you know, if he could do 80%, he could do the other 20, couldn't he? <laughs> sure. Praise again. Toddles off, perfectly healed. There's good vibration in what we're on about. It's good vibration in Jesus. It's good vibration in the spirit. That was the introduction. <laughs> For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to a discovery of himself. But if we can share the vibration, people will catch on. Moving into 1 Corinthians 2. I've just skipped half an hour. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For I was intentionally consumed with one topic, Jesus, crucified Messiah, almighty Jesus. Make sure you pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. So our discipleship specialty areas concentrate on how we can best and wisely educate people. Jesus' manner of discipleship is come watch and do. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we're among the spiritually mature. Now, I need to pause there because in chapter 3, he really castigates them for being infants. And I can't tell you deeper things of God because you're too busy competing with one another, you're too busy arguing with one another, and there are divisions among you, and the Spirit can't even come in and to quote our current phrase today for this morning, he can't come and vibrate among you. You have no notion of what the bigger and deeper things are because you're too busy trying to be experts at being stupid. 
paraphrase. That's chapter 3. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we're among the spiritually mature, those who have gotten over the competition, those who have gotten over their ambition to be in high places and simply want to get together, vibrate together, connect together so the spirit can manifest himself in the best possible manner. It's a wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. In other words, demonic influence cannot rule over us. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. Say glory. glory. Yeah, Christians forget they, they are seated in heavenly places. Let me just say that again. Christians forget the authority of the placement they have alongside Jesus in heavenly places with all the resources of heaven available at our Holy Spirit and Jesus combination with me command. We're still worried about whether or not we're going to make it. We still play the he loves me, he loves me not game and hope we write, pick the right petal that says, you know, at least comfort me for the next five minutes that he loves me. There's a maturity that the Spirit wants us to engage in that lifts us above just recycling religious ritual, showing up because you're too scared not to show up. You know, I just love church when people are excited about being there because they are full of expectancy that God's going to do something. And we don't know what yet, but he's going to do something even if it causes us to love and bless each other. I'll come back onto that in a moment before we finish. Just making a little bit of sense. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. You know, to think that the one who, as Genesis 3.15 says, you know, okay, you, you, you bite my heel, but I'm going to smack your head in. That's the passionate translation. <laughs> So if the demons are half smart, let's not smack, let's not bite him because he'll finally smack us out forever. This is why the scriptures say things never discovered. This is in the you, yeah, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard that you're more used to. The Passion Translation says this, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. That, gets, that has a bit of a pull on it, doesn't it? It has a draw on it. It's the kind of God you want, you want to engage with a bit more because, um, you know, he gently says, you know nothing yet, but I want to show you. Yes, there are mysteries, but he's invited us to explore them. If only 
pressing Paul now, we are mature and we get our eyes off whether or not I happen to be better or less than the person who may be competing for the same ministry role or same sort of thing that I'm wanting. Uh, if we can just climb out of that and become mature and love each other into a, um, an empowered existence, then the church will start to make an impact. Because, as Paul says, it's not by being smart and technological and even though we don't check our brains out, but there is something more mighty than our mind. But, now, but God now unve unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. Um, I, I love that praise, uh, phrase. Um, all of us will know what two-year-olds are like. Old enough to move around, not old enough to know what they shouldn't touch, but always exploring, always into everything. No, you can't go there, they're into there. No, you can't go there, they're into over here. And the Holy Spirit like, loves to explore stuff. So let the Holy Spirit loose in you to explore eternal and heavenly things. For on behalf of you. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive a spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, that we might come to understand and experience that, that grace that has been lavished upon us. You know, it, it, it takes supernatural understanding to understand the depth and the power of grace. Mm, I want to spend another six hours. But I'll be merciful. That gift is slowly increasing with reluctance when it comes to time. I get really annoyed when we say grace needs to be balanced, usually by someone touting some aspect of law that they don't really define. When grace is God's empowering presence, he is the spirit of grace, Hebrews. How on earth are we going to balance law, sorry, grace, his presence, God, with, with law? Don't be stupid. He is fully capable of putting inside of us an inquiring heart to explore what righteousness is and then the empowering ability to be righteous as well as announcing. We start righteous, we stay righteous because we're connected to him, the righteous one. Gospel in a nutshell. And we are empowered, therefore, to extend the kingdom by our authority and by the fact, going back to our early illustration, we sit, stand, hang out with him in presence. We get to vibrate like him and we then influence the atmosphere around us. Simple as that. Jesus sends out the 70 and he tells them, announce the king, that the kingdom of God is here, heal the sick, you know, raise the dead, etc. Go out and do that. And they come back, you know, demons submitted, first time in our lives. Amazing. Jesus said, ha, yeah, I saw more than that. I saw Satan himself with his legs cut off, falling like lightning to the ground. It's amazing why the spiritual warfare protagonists don't light on that one as the most significant piece of spiritual warfare that there was. 
Satan himself falls to the ground like lightning because we have gone out and announced the kingdom of heaven, we've healed the sick and announced the good news. Are you with me on this? Do that and you destroy the enemy. All right, it's not just information, it's not just delivery of good news, it's, it's packing heat. It's following up with things that happen. It's, it's the Dale meeting the mix of this world, rough, tough, short of certain vocabulary, rich in others. <laughs> and Mick discovers Jesus because his knee is healed. I have a friend of mine in Wales who has developed a, a prayer room ministry, prayer retreat rather, ministry, and all he does is offer to bless people when they come in. There's no histrionics. People come in and visit this retreat centre. He get, takes them to the chapel and, as he said, I'm going to take you to the chapel first, you know, well, finally, before we leave, and, and we're going to offer to bless you there if you want. If you don't want, Doors open, you can just exit yourselves. And More often than not, when people go in there, they have an encounter with God. And I'll tell you one story. There's many stories, but I'll tell you one. This guy comes in. He must have been a brother of Mick. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he walks into the main foyer, the reception area, he starts telling ribald stories and jokes. And, and here in this Christian prayer retreat place... This was so a contrast. And it continued while they led him through the accommodation areas, the dining area, etc. And they were really looking forward, looking for a way to exit this guy as fast as they could because he, he was actually manifesting. Rude, crude, nasty. Finally, they get to the chapel and he says, oh, you know, come and enter the chapel and and he's still spurting out his blather. Walks into the chapel and falls flat on his face and calls out, why didn't you tell me he was real? And I read that story and I said, that's exactly what I want church to be like. We talk about presence and the reality of presence and, you know, that's the presence I want in the place. It comes from mature spirituality, strong connection with the spirit, and, and a, not only just an ability, but a functioning blessing of the kingdom capacity that changes the very climate in someone's personality and life. That counts. I was in a church in Perth, last year and uh, been to three churches and I was there on a Sunday night and um, with this group and a uh, wonderful group um, and I spoke that night on blessing I haven't spoken on blessing here I'm alluding to it and at the end of the evening um, as we led into ministry time which we will do here So I want you to all stand up and I want you to double up and bless each other. 
I don't want you to bless each other in the generic kind of, Father, we ask your blessing be upon this person, a typical kind of prayer, which is probably more leaning toward a, a petition prayer. So I want you to authoritatively say, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. Because when Jesus sent out the 70, he says, if they reject you, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. So we have the very presence of Jesus within us. So therefore, when we bless someone, we are blessing with the presence of Jesus, speaking Jesus' words, and we have authority because we sit in heavenly places. So therefore, our blessings carry weight. So I want you to bless. You don't need to be prophetic to know that they need resource and a happy family. You don't need to you know, be prophetic and know they need a decent job and etc. So pray all those and pray whatever you want prophetically, but pray it in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name and the authority of Jesus with health and with strength and with resource and with joy, and I bless you with everything he has, etc., etc. So they all stood up and um, the atmosphere just, just radically changed as they began to, to bless each other with, with joyful authority. And then I realised, as we were drawing that to a close, that the pastor had stood up and said, there's going to be healing here today, tonight rather. And I thought, oh, yeah, because I know whenever, and we're learning to do that, when we say there's going to be healing in the house, um, there's more healing that happens than when you don't say that. So when the pastor of the place says, there's going to be healing tonight, there's something, oh, yes, that's what we should be doing. But it was 8 o'clock, time, time out, time finished. So I knew I had to quit. But I said, we've just blessed each other, and the pastor said this, so I'd like everyone, I haven't got time for word of knowledge, I haven't got time to explain too much, but anyone in pain and in need of healing right now, will you stand? And 15 people, I think 15, stood. And then it occurred to me to ask the first lady who stood, said, would you mind, just before we, we begin to pray for you, would you mind just checking yourself um, to see if any change has happened? So she does, you know, the checking, moving around and face lights up and she said, I'm healed. Because <laughs> everyone's surprised because no one did anything. <laughs> Mind you, except bless. So you came in with, with pain, yes. And you sat there in pain all during the service, yes. And the pain just left you, Yes. Everybody cheers. Next person. And how about you? All gone. All the pain's gone. I'm healed. Next person. Next person. Next person. All 15 of them were healed the moment they stood. Wow. I like it when that happens. <laughs> I did the same in Indonesia. Because there's a safe face mechanism there that means you're reluctant to admit that you have a need for healing. They're slowly changing. But they're quite happy to bless each other. The atmosphere changed again. All right, now we'll have those who need healing. Would you mind standing? And they, you know, a couple of hundred stood, and I think there was about 150 healed that night. We had between seven, 800 healings that happened a few weeks back at the Randy Clark conference. We're used to seeing healings. The presence of God must mean that there's going to be healings in the house 
while it may not be our total emphasis here today, I want us to learn to bless each other with a mature unity because we can bless each other in the name of Almighty Jesus. Does that make sense? So would you mind standing? Pastor's very gracious this morning and said we could aim for two o'clock. <laughs> I lie. I know we've got to wrap up. That was lunch. That was lunch. Thank you. That's right. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that you are indeed almighty. We just thank you that uh, you're not offended by crazy people or crazy language. And you can use atheists even as they're on their way to you. So therefore you can use us. And ask for an anointing on every single person here in this room right now. They will understand their place in you. So I bless you now in the name of Jesus. I bless you with revelation and a deep understanding of your placement, authoritative placement in Jesus. I ask that this house, Harvest Australia, will ignite with vibrating influence. I ask it be catching. And I bless you with the gift of being blessing predators. You can't wait to lay hands on people. You can't wait to bless them. Because no one, most people won't say no to a, a blessing. And Father, I ask for your anointing on everyone in the house as they bless each other right now in Jesus' name. I'd just like you to pair up. Just keep in mind as I illustrate. Yes, you're going to move, actually. Um, I want you to keep in mind that I don't want you to ask God for, for, for blessing, even though I think that's a legitimate prayer. I want you to command blessing, which is more legitimate in this, in the name of Jesus I bless you. I bless you. I can tell you stories of people who just radically met Jesus just through someone blessing them. I bless you. And think of the wonderful things. In other words, if you want an environment where everybody loves each other deeply um, and, and you want the whole place to vibrate as, as much as at least Dale described it, then I bless you with the capacity to vibrate. <laughs> fullness of the spirit Have you get, are you getting it yeah. all right so loosen up and uh, wind up and bless up <laughs> can we do that yeah. all right do that and then we'll wrap up in just a moment so just really pray um, authoritatively i bless you in the name of jesus and i want you to bless them with everything you'd like them to bless you with go for it